Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. You know, it's a Red Shirt Friday. Every Red Shirt Friday, I do my best to bring you a veteran. And we've got a veteran who today is going to spend at least the first half with us on this journey. Mentioned this Red Shirt Friday, we've got a significant guest with us, ex-Green Beret, John Frankman. First of all, John, thank you for your service. Thank you so much for having me, Trent. I appreciate it. But I do have to ask you one thing before we get started. Here's an ex-Green Beret who I know is a Special Forces op and did some of the, the most important things around the world, and yet you're an aspiring wrestler? What's behind this? You want to go into professional wrestling now? Well, I, it's kind of, I, I've always enjoyed it as a kid, uh, watching professional wrestling and just kind of as a bucket list thing, went to a uh, professional wrestling school earlier this year as I was leaving the army. So, you know, if Vince McMahon or Trent, uh, Tony Khan or Triple H wants to sign me to the WWE or AEW, I'm all, I'm game and I'll be their top talent. But, uh, you know, that's just kind of, you know, you never give up on your dreams. Right. But yeah, absolutely. apart from that, I am trying to speak out and trying to help the country and the military, especially for the better. So I have, uh, I can't count them on two hands, the friends that I've developed in the past two years, John, who are the embodiment of what you talked about in a video that caught my attention, and that is the Department of Defense and a complete disconnect at the top, and a guy named Lloyd Austin, who has brought about the the lowest morale I've witnessed in my lifetime in the United States military. You sum it all up in, in very few number of words. And put it into context. How do you put it in context here? He's totally out of touch or he is in touch, depending on what his his end goal is. I mean, the military morale has been terrible. Readiness has been destroyed. I can't think of a good decision that's been made between Afghan withdrawal, leaving a bunch of equipment, not shooting down the Chinese spy balloon, uh, putting in DEI policies instead of focusing on readiness and how to fight and win wars. It just seems as though everything has been to kind of not actually helped the army's readiness, the military's readiness, and has just made us weaker and a laughing stock to our enemies. John, take us back to the day that you decided you wanted to join the United States Army. I think it was a progressive thing. My stepdad was in the military. And even before that, I looked at Halloween costumes, dressing up as a soldier, and especially with 9-11. So I was living in the Northern Virginia area on 9-11, remember those attacks and thought, you know, I want to use the gifts that God gave me for the greater good. And I think that using my leadership capabilities, the physical fitness that I've always aspired to, and just being willing to kind of sacrifice myself and love for country, I thought that that was kind of the best decision, best way that I can use those gifts. So it's hard to say a specific day, but there has mm -hmm. been this kind of idealistic desire of mine to just serve my nation and to glorify God in doing so. And uh, we're going to get back to that glorifying God part, because I think that's a big thing. Glad you included that. But I, I put that into context of today's world when I visit with parents whose kids just decided to become part of the military. And I thank them in a whole new way, John, because mm. I know I, I know as a parent, there would be a resistance to want to put your kid through what is currently going on in the United States military. And yet for 247 years, we have the ability to come together and have this discussion because of people like you and parents who are willing to say, yes, 
John, you can join the United States Army. In your case, I realize it was something that was in your family's tradition, which most cases I see the recruits are generational recruits. Like I'm sixth generation person from agriculture, but we have people who are sixth and seventh generation from military service as well. And so we have to continue to have a strong military. And yet I completely understand why somebody would say, no, Johnny, you're not going to do that. Right. Well, that's a tough thing right now because there are people who do ask me, should I still join the military? It's something I want to do. And what my answer to them is, I've always, you know, what do you think is going to glorify God the most? Do you have that kind of desire in your heart to serve the military? I think we still need conservatives. We still need people of strong will, of goodwill to be serving because unfortunately the military is intrinsically tied to the success of our nation. And it can't just become another three-letter agency that is taken over by the left and weaponized against the right. We need people of good character, of good moral standing to get in there, but there's new challenges. And I think it's interesting that a lot of the people, now I never had a combat deployment, so never been shot at. A lot of the people who I worked with who did go along with this mandate, they have seen death in so many ways through Mm -hmm. their deployments to Afghanistan. They had a lot of physical courage, but the moral courage to kind of stand up when it wasn't expedient for the career. So there's a new type of courage that's needed in the military and in our country generally. And that is a moral courage. And that's founded on just kind of belief in God, understanding that there's a another life after this that we need to be living for. Um, but just understanding just your personal integrity and the value of that. I've always struggled with the fact since this came about. And I've been told that there have been mandatory shots and vaccinations for people going around the world from probably since the beginning of vaccine vaccines, period. This one's at a whole new level for me. And this one has hit me hard. And John, to be clear, I never served. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I say thank you. And I give tribute to everybody, every family, because I recognize I'm a part of a group called the All-American Beef Battalion. And the All-American Beef Battalion, founded by the late Bill Brody, Vietnam veteran, wanted to make sure that nobody was treated upon deployment or returned from deployment the way that the Vietnam veterans were. Right. And in the past 13 years, John, we have fed 500,000 individuals a one-pound ribeye, cheesy potatoes, dinner roll, and dessert. And so I've been on military bases from Camp Pendleton to uh, Fort Lejeune and, and everywhere in between, Camp Lejeune and everywhere in between. And I, I, I became to understand that this is not just a sacrifice of the individuals, but the entire military family. And for military families to say, we're going to fight for freedom, and then you as a, a Green Beret or anybody at any level and rank and within the military, to lose the freedoms of body sovereignty yourself was just like a stab in the back to me. Yeah, it absolutely, it absolutely is. And there's this unfortunate understanding or saying of some in the military that you signed up for it, you have to do everything that you're told. Well, I think that's just not understanding one that we have to look at whether orders are legal or not legal. And we're we're Americans first and foremost before we're soldiers. And there's this great under, misunderstanding that we can't be forced to take something that's emergency use authorized. And I've had every single shot up until this point, never really questioned it. It was kind of the understanding of the aborted fetal cells that was in this shot that first made me hesitant about it. But in that hesitancy, in that kind of what desire to let's, you know, take a pregnant pause, think about whether this is a good idea that I was able to kind of open my eyes up to how actually medically helpful it is, how dangerous it is. And it is totally unfortunate that service members who swore an oath to defend 
the Constitution, potentially with their lives, are the ones who are being subjected to such government tyranny and such a crackdown in order to just conform. It's community is the, the drug, but it really should be called conformity. That was very clever while you're talking about parts of aborted fetuses to include a pregnant pause. I caught that. Oh, well, that was not a pun intended, but uh, it no, worked. It was very good. It was quite clever. <laughs> and those are the best ones, by the way, that you didn't intend to do it. It's just, you know, some spirit within you driving sure. to send that message that there's nothing more important than a pregnant woman and how beautiful they are because they're bringing about life. And that that's really what's been under attack. Right. And just speaking to the life issue, what it really came down to to me was that abortion, that's the sin of murder. And it's also the sin of continued theft of the baby's baby's body parts. So that baby that was murdered, all of its its parts, whatever derivatives are still around. And that's what we're using to make these shots. And there wasn't a COVID shot that was made without the use of or testing of aborted fetal cells of murdered babies. So you have to ask yourself, is it worth it for you to take a shot that you have it for a disease that you have a 99.99% chance of surviving if it's involved in those sins. If it's also just not medically efficacious, if you already have natural immunity, if you are potentially likely to get injured by this shot, which we're seeing a lot of, and that's just being covered up. So there needs to be a lot of light brought to so many of these issues. On a Red Shirt Friday, we're bringing attention to the individuals who continue to maintain our freedom as granted by God but insured by the Constitution and the founding fathers of this nation. John Frankman, my guest, second half. We will be back with more before I let you go. I want to remind you, well, let's just talk about nitric oxide again. Well, in today's world, many people are talking about nitric oxide as a part of healthy living, but Dr. Nathan Bryan steps in here because... How do we know the difference between one nitric oxide supplement and another one, Nathan? Well, there's several things you look for. Is the people that are that are that formulated or backing that product ever published a paper in the nitric oxide literature? Do they know anything about the basic enzymology and biochemistry of nitric oxide? Because here's what people do. Put a lot of ingredients in a bag or in a capsule and call it nitric oxide. You have to understand how the human body makes nitric oxide. You got to understand what goes wrong in people that can't make it. And then you got to pro- provide product technology that actually fixes the reason you can't make nitric oxide. If you're low in testosterone, you don't give precursors or things because you've lost the ability to produce testosterone. What do you do? You actually give the actual molecules. Same thing with women with hormone replacement. Full details and order the product at no2u.com. That's no number two letter u.com. Put Trent as your coupon code and I pay the shipping. Wait a minute, that's not good. Welcome back on a Red Shirt Friday. Did you know it's December? 20 days away from winter solace. That means the shortest day of the year. I am looking forward to that puppy. I want to tell you right now. Let's get back to our Green Beret, John Frankman aspiring professional wrestler joining me here on the air today and uh, once in a while you just got to do things john that cause people to smile so we throw that your aspirations of being a professional wrestler in. but what i don't want to be a part of is continually identifying problems without providing solutions so what is your solution suggested solution for us going forward to maintain morale and maintain a healthy united states military 
That's a great question. And that's that's totally right. Can't give problems without solutions. So the solutions that I have right now are a few fold. One, we need to continue to raise awareness. And you're helping me do that by having me on this radio program. A lot of people don't know the plight of service members when they were in the military. And as I outlined in my video, there was ostracization, there was coercion, people were put in solitary confinement, basically quarantined for long periods of time. Uh, and individuals are basically separated. They, I had to wear like a red wristband while I was in training to identify myself as unvaccinated, which uh, that has never been a good thing in history. So raising awareness for one, getting restitution for service members. And I think that should best come through National Defense Authorization Act's amendments. So amendments to bring service members back into the service to upgrade their discharges from general to honorable. What a lot of people don't realize is the majority of people who are kicked out of the military received a general discharge for serious misconduct and offense. That hurts your ability to get employed. They don't have their full GI Bill benefits. There was a girl I went up to the Hill with last week, Brianna Cespedes, Air Force 24, extremely intelligent, wants to go to law school. Well, she can't use her GI Bill right now because of her characterization of discharge. And she was put in quarantine for 140 days over the course of two years. So getting some NDAA amendments and a number of service members have come together to craft them themselves. So by service members for service members, but also right now that Republicans have the House, they need to be using their powers, which means committee hearings. So committee hearings, I think at the House Armed Service Committee level, COVID select uh, hearings, as well as weaponization of the federal government, because I do believe that this was the federal government being weaponized against certain individuals. So by having these hearings, you're going to be able to expose that the order was illegal, that it was unethical, and that it was medically unsafe. Now, how was it illegal? It's very simple. You as an American cannot be ordered to take an emergency use authorized drug. You can't be ordered to take an experimental drug. At the time of the mandate in August of 2021, there was no FDA approved drug available. That means that every single person who's been prosecuted for this has been just basically by a sham that our religious freedoms, they were not being respected. So really, those are kind of the legal means that we have. So raising awareness, getting the amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act, getting different committee hearings. And you as a citizen can help us by contacting your local representative by telling them you want justice for service members. You can help me raise awareness by, I don't know, I'd say follow Jesus Christ first and foremost. But after that, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. So my dear friend, John Bowen, who, by the way, brought me to your, brought you to my attention and John's a retired law enforcement, U.S. Marshal from Indiana. He said, Trent, you need to get this guy, John Franklin, on your show, which we did. But a couple of weeks ago, he was on here and we were talking about the power of prayer and he summarized it well, so so well, in fact, I've used it about every week. He said, you can pray about digging a hole while leaning on a shovel, but at some point in time, God expects you to use the shovel or the hole won't right. get dug. And that in itself tells us a lot on what we need to do going forward, is that if we're going to be a dutiful citizen, if we're going to be a dutiful Christian, we can't just expect these things to take place. We need to be a part of shaping them going forward and digging the hole. Right. That's absolutely right. And it's it's kind of twofold. We all need to do more, but we also need to be critically thinking to do, do more. It's not just about doing things right. It's about doing the right things as well. And I think the best way to do that is to have that kind of can-do attitude, that kind of 
uh, just self-motivation, but prayer. I think prayer is the means by which we have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, intimate relationship with God, but where we hear his voice, we know in what direction we're asked to act. So right now, I believe that I'm being asked to have a more political role in bringing this, this kind of information up and trying to fight for other service members. Someone else, they might in prayer be inspired to do something. But one, we all need to do more. Whatever you're doing, you need to do more. If you love this country, if you love your way of life, you need to do more in order to protect it. But two, pray. I mean, pray in order to, one, grow that personal relationship for what is the most important thing, which is your salvation. But beyond that, to help you understand the way that you're supposed to use your time, talent, energies, all those gifts that have come from God that are given to you in order to be used to create something even more beautiful, even something more powerful. You, um, I'm completely on your page with prayer. I'm not sure I'm on your page anymore, John, when it comes to expecting the political system to fix what they allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I fully understand that by the count of R's and D's, we have the house on our side. But the, quite frankly, the people who have an R behind their name have not stood with us. Certainly the people with a D do not. But the people with an R have not stood with us in a time of need. Do you truly believe that the current representative republic that you fought to protect is the one that's going to come back to be a part of the solution? I think that we're called to fidelity more than we're called to actual success. And it's one of the many tools at our disposal. Now, if we all had, if I had the answer on how you fix this thing, I would publish it, we'd follow it and we'd be good to go. Mm -hmm. So it does take some kind of creative ingenuity in order to fix this solution. So right now, I mean, think about the number of people that vote. What is it? 50%, 60%? You're generous. Most are, well, most people aren't, they're, they're not using the existing system in place to try to correct everything. So I think we need more buy-in into the system while we continue to try to think of parallel systems. Of course, government's not going to save us. It's not going to. That's it's, it's on the individual. The individual, you need to take personal responsibility for your life. And then after you as an individual, then your family, then your town, then your city, then your state. And I think we could be more selective about the people, the representatives we send there, and we need to hold them accountable. So using those systems and processes already in place, while trying to reform them. And if we think about Afghanistan and Iraq, one of the problems that we had there is that we kind of destroyed the country, destroyed the government to and didn't have a system in place. It's e it's usually easier to reform existing systems than to destroy everything and kind of from anarchy build again. So that's kind of what I'm offering, but if other people are creatively praying and thinking about it and think they have a better solution, by all means please do it. But that's where I'd say do more than you're doing right now and carefully pray and consider what you're going to do. You remind me of Harry Truman as president said that it takes great skill, dedication, and effort to build a barn and any jackass can kick it down in 30 seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, no, that's still at, spot uh, on. No, just look at what Trump built up and look at what Biden's destroying. And uh, he's not even done with his first term yet. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. There was an insinuation that there's a second term in there. I'm not buying that. Oh, I no, I well, I don't think he's going to get voted in. And I also don't think he's going to live long enough, uh, just given his age. I've got to ask you this question, John. I'm down the last two minutes. It appears to me that the federal government collectively, if it had a conscience, which it doesn't, it, it sees that you are the threat to what it wants to do going forward. You being 
we've have we have this trained warrior we have the greatest military the greatest training program and now we have all of these veterans out there who for the love of country and took an oath to the constitution to uphold whatever driver it is obviously with you it's it's a follow jesus and give the glory to god but you are the threat to the federal government because you're the trained warrior that can hold people accountable. So it's not just me. It's every single citizen that is critically thinking, that's paying attention, and that's willing to do something about it. Now, obviously, I have a certain set of skills that I was given through military training and and with as a Special Forces Green Beret to understand unconventional warfare, to understand how to overthrow governments, how to understand the use of psycholo- psychological operations. But I would empower other citizens who are listening to your program to be those critical thinking warriors, warriors for justice, for truth, to also be part of that problem for the federal government. They're trying to take too much power to themselves, and that's right, not right. The power, it needs to be given back to the people. It needs to be in order to glorify God. So do what you can, pray, figure out what God's calling you to do, and whatever you're doing, do more. Here's where I'm at, John Frankman. If I'm truly going to say thank you for what it is that you and your fellow veterans have done to protect our freedoms, then what we as dutiful citizens need to do is exercise every freedom that you protected for us, because that's the greatest way that we can say thank you for your efforts. Thank you. And I'll show you by example instead of just giving a lip service. I appreciate that, Trent. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me on. God bless everybody. Well, unfortunately, John can't continue on with us today, but uh, I take that seriously. Don't just give lip service. Don't just talk in an echo chamber about we the people and about thanking the veterans. My question is, what are your actions today to show your appreciation? That's what we really must accomplish. The All-American Beef Battalion shows appreciation by feeding the veterans. Get more details about how Stakes for Troops is going to be a part of the January 6th event at the National Western. Details at nationalwestern.com and stakesfortroops.com. We're back with the second half of Royal Route after this. Welcome back, Roll Route. I am going to share with you the uh, Across the Pond that aired this morning without Andrew Henderson. He had a funeral to attend, but he put two beauties in his place. And by the way, because this was a TV program, there's a picture of a gorilla on the wall behind the young ladies. Just want to give you a heads up. We do have a portrait of Andrew behind Hannah and Kelly. Good afternoon, UK. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Hello. Good I know. Send the send the hate mail picking on Andrew when he's not here. Nice gorilla. You guys didn't get enough yesterday, Kelly. You wanted to come back for more. Yeah, we we didn't finish talking really, did we? But then we had no, so much to I, talk about. <laughs> we barely got started. Absolutely. So uh, before you guys pick it up, we continually get chatter about what's going on in the United Arab Emirates. And now the Eat Lancet report is resurfacing. I have spent a tremendous amount of time on the importance of a healthy diet and how animal products are part of that healthy diet. I want to just say one thing and then ask you guys a question. We learned, and I did not know this until through COVID, that in 1899, pre-1900, there was a research paper and still can be found at the National Institutes of Health in the United States that says the consumption of eggs 
An egg yolk actually works as an antitoxin, not an antioxidant, an antitoxin, and that the yolk itself will determine a foreign or a threat, some foreign foreign material or a threat or a toxin to the body, and we'll go attack it in the gut and remove or neutralize, is the word, neutralize that toxin. And we've had this whole movement in my lifetime it's kind of repaired itself now to where we try to demonize the consumption of eggs and we've had misinformation about cholesterol. And now we know that the very products that come from animal agriculture and improve health and wellness in a way that we didn't even think they possibly did. So as the uh, United Arab Emirates group gathers at uh, top 28, they're going to come out and say that we have to reduce and eliminate our milk, meat, and egg consumption. Kelly, I'll start with you first. What do you say to that? (laughs) Uh, Well, as a dairy farmer, I'm clearly going to disagree with that. Um, I think if you just eat um, a meat, dairy, and egg diet, you can actually um, probably survive pretty well on that without vegetables. I'm not condoning not eating vegetables. But I think uh, you can consume all of those products in a fairly natural state. Um, on our farm, we uh, obviously produce dairy, but we also make our own kefir. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or kefir. I think it's pronounced in different places. Um, so what is we, that? it's a fermented milk, which is like a dairy-based kombucha. Kombucha, do you call it? It's probably all a bit trendy, really. Um, but it, so you, you get a grain and you put it with the milk, and for about thirty-six hours at room temperature. It makes like a fizzy milk, but the probiotics in that are Mm. greater than what you would get in any yogurt or anything like that. Kelly, we call that a milk stout beer. (laughs) Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, just kidding. Uh, But I want to interrupt you just for a moment, and then Hannah, I want you to comment. There's the problem. You started your sentence with, as a dairy farmer, and, and when I, as a beef pork producer stand up for beef consumption people automatically think that i'm just protecting my industry no as a human being i look at the science and you as a human being and as a mother and as a community member see that the very products that we produce from these farms particularly from animals it not only improve the health of the human being when consumed properly they improve the health of the planet because the animals are grazing and as you graze you need more plants the more plants you have the more people you feed in the whole world. It's the cycle of life continuing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. So you know, I was just chastising you a bit for starting with saying as a dairy farmer, because the products that you produce as a dairy farmer improve human lives. And that's the message yeah. we need to convey. H- Hannah, Absolutely. you're not a dairy farmer. H- how do you answer that question? No, I'm probably more towny. However, I just think uh, I just look at the world now and everyone's got sicker. Um, so back, if you take things right back to basics, back years and years ago, there was lower rates of cancers, lower rates of diseases, lower rates of autism, lower rates of everything. Um, and now we're, we're all pushing, you know, this COP23, I read last night, they're pushing people to a plant-based synthetic, synthetic meat diet. Um, there's no long-term data on that food, just like there's no long-term data on the COVID vaccine. Um, vaccine Is it a vaccine? We don't know. Um, there's no long-term data on that either. So I would rather give my family and myself, you know, meat, 
dairy, vegetables, you know, eat what we've always eaten for hundreds and thousands of years. You know, we have teeth to eat meat. Um, and I do not want to eat synthetic, uh, plant-based, lab-grown food at all, because I don't see how that can in any way be good for anyone. Or insects. Let's just get that out yeah, there. We no, don't want insects either. <laughs> or crickets. Uh, have either one of you changed your thought process or diet since COVID? No, mm, no, probably just tried to cut out a bit more rubbish um, because you're, we have we all have busy lifestyles. You kind of turn to shop-bought pizzas sometimes and we've tried to sort of get that out. We didn't join the sourdough movement, but we do make our own bread and things like that. So um, we're always trying to minimise the, the amount of interference in our food, I think. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you see a difference? Uh, not not in your family, but the people around you. Um, um, I think the kids. I think the biggest impact I've noticed is kids' behaviour. The the more basic you can eat, the better your children's behaviour is. You can notice more so the moment you give them sweets or anything that's badly produced, their behaviour. Yeah, overprocessed foods is not good for you know. It's just not good. Your kids will be like jumping off the ceiling. Um, and they often children actually a really big point here. If children eat really overprocessed foods, they get rashes around their mouth. That's really common, and that's to do with additives and e numbers. So I know when my kid goes to a party, for example, and eats utter garbage. Um, I know when they come home because they usually have a rash around their mouth and they're completely hell Mm. on earth to. I did not know about that. Mm. We usually say they're smacked off sugar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, to your point, both of your points, uh, as we have minimized kids' consumption of animal fats, particularly early in the morning, and the data to me clearly shows that the more fat and protein you consume early in the day feeds your metabolism and the healthier you're going to be and the more less brain fog, I should say, that you're going to have throughout the course of the day. So what we've seen is we've seen parents do less demanding that their kids eat eggs and bacon and things that contain the proper fats and protein. Consequently, they don't have the same ability to to maintain their composure and to be thinking and to be good students. So then what do they do? Well, then they take them to the doctor and they want to put them on some retinol or something because they got HDD or some some uh, disorder that's all just a nutritional deficiency. Feed the kids yeah. right and you won't need a drug. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is the game, isn't it? I kind of feel like this is the game. If we're weak and we're sick, then the biggest money players on the planet, pharma, big pharma, make a fortune, don't they? Mm. It has become very apparent to me that big pharma has influenced such things as every five years, ladies, we have uh, United States Department of Agriculture and the Human Health Services come together and put out what they call the dietary guidelines. And every year they screw them up more and more. And now it's very apparent what you said, Hannah, and that it's like, like they're creating a sick population so that they can sell more drugs. I mean, that sounds yeah. very conspiratorial, but the truth of the matter is, look at the data. The data clearly shows that. Yeah. 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 And, and if you go to the doctor with a health condition, they don't necessarily tell you to change your diet. They just prescribe a pill, don't they? I have told this story so many times, and she doesn't like for me to tell it so many times, but our oldest daughter is a dietitian. She's a registered dietitian. She works in a hospital setting. So she's 
ultimately seeing people who are already at the level of sickness that caused them to go to the hospital. And she could lay out a dietary plan for them and suggest, here's what you should do, not only with your diet, but with your lifestyle and your exercise, because I believe we're made to consume a, a tremendous number of calories, but then we're also made to burn those calories. And what we do is we restrict our caloric intake. We don't have the energy to exercise properly, and then your health just fades downhill. But she will, even with uh, like 15-year-old teenagers, she will design a diet. And many times, more times than not, the parent will be in the room and say, don't you just have a pill he can take? That just drives wow. me insane. But that's the world that we live in. I think it's a generational thing as well. So like I'm technically, I'm a millennial and anything below that, I think it, it's instant gratification. So it's not about working for anything. It's about, you just want that instant, you know, my kids don't even know what adverts are on a telly because they've never had to sit through them like we used to have to. But there's so many examples of instant gratification that it, it's, yeah. everything is, is, you know, Amazon Prime, next day delivery. Our kids just don't know how to wait for anything, do they? Because that's the generation that, and and between me and my kids' generation as well, that is what we do. I think that it all comes back to communication. Snapchat is a perfect analogy. Yeah. We used to ring somebody up on their home phone, hope they answered the phone. Now they've got to have an answer in three seconds. And speaking that's of sitting through the adverts, that's what we have to do right now. Kel well, in today's world, many people are talking about nitric oxide as a part of healthy living. But Dr. Nathan Bryan steps in here because how do we know the difference between one nitric oxide supplement and another one, Nathan? Well, there's several things you look for. Is the people that are that are that formulated or backing that product ever published a paper in the nitric oxide literature? Do they know anything about the basic enzymology and biochemistry of nitric oxide? Because here's what people do. Put a lot of ingredients in a bag or in a capsule and call it nitric oxide. You have to understand how the human body makes nitric oxide. You got to understand what goes wrong and people that can't make it. And then you got to pro provide product technology that actually fixes the reason you can't make nitric oxide. If you're low in testosterone, you don't give precursors or things because you've lost the ability to produce testosterone. What do you do? You actually give the actual molecules. Same thing with women with hormone replacement. Full details and order the product at no2u.com. That's N-O, number two, letter U.com. Put trend as your coupon code and I pay the shipping. Wait a minute. That's not good. And I also want to remind you about Apache sprayers. Talk about technology. Talk about reliability. Just visit with the folks who've got Apache sprayers and you will find out customer satisfaction beyond anything you've ever seen in the equipment business. And most of it has to do with the service. SimpsonFarm.com. Full details about what it is that Simpson Farm Enterprises does. And HighPlainsApache.com. Depending on where you're at, you can get your service and equipment from one or the other. SimpsonFarm.com. Welcome back on this Red Shirt Friday. Did I mention 20 days away? Just 20 days until the winter solace, the shortest day of the year. All right. Now joining us from the United Kingdom. We have Kelly. We have Hannah back to the program after yesterday. Thought sure you'd run and say, don't ever want to deal with those guys again. Thanks for coming <laughs> back, young ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us. 
All right. So I brought all of the conversation in the first segment. I know you guys, we didn't even finish where we started yesterday. Where do you want to go from here, Hannah? Well, I, I've, I've, I've got a bee in my bonnet over COP23. So yesterday, sorry, yeah, sorry. So yesterday I read uh, that my our prime minister, who was unelected, by the way, we didn't actually vote for him. Um, he was obviously just placed uh, conveniently for the people really running the show. But anyway, he wants the UK to pay reparations for climate damage to other countries. So he's wanting to give money to other countries for as reparations for climate change. And just to put you in the picture for people that don't know, uh, the UK is in a cost of living crisis where people are actually sat at home freezing, uh, unable to afford to heat their homes. And not only that, uh, in some parts of the UK, they have banned uh, wood burning stoves and open fires, which of course is the cheapest and most effective way to heat our homes. And England is not a warm place in the winter. It is cold and it is wet. <laughs> and, um, and to find out that our prime minister wants to pay reparations for climate damage has just really um, wound me up today. And I just wanted to share one little story. Um, this time last year, uh, my family and I, we went to the Maldives um, on, a, on a holiday, on a family trip. And um, uh, while there, we spoke to a, um, a guy who was a fourth generation dive instructor. Uh, in the Maldives and his grandparents, great grandparents house was on the beach. And that's where we went diving from. And I said to him, can I just ask, you know, in the media, we always hear about the Maldives, you know, is a huge risk from climate change. And you're here, you're living it, you know, you're a fisherman, you're a diver. Tell me what your view is. And he took me to a marker. And it was a like a tidal marker, um, about the same height as myself, five foot three. And they'd marked the highest tides every year. And the highest, the last high tide that they had that where it was really like a big surge was um, 1970 and also 2014. Now, um, there was no difference. And he said, and he said, the earth, we, we follow the earth. The earth is in a cycle. And he said, Climate change does not affect the Maldives. The thing that affects the Maldives is the Chinese, the overfishing, the Chinese fishing boats that are illegally uh, overfishing and uh, microplastics in the ocean. That's what's affecting the Maldives. There is no, the Maldives is not going to be underwater in 10 years, like they are saying in the media. You guys have seen, I'm sure, the demonstration where ice cubes are put in a glass and allowed to melt over a period of time. And it shows that the glass doesn't run over when the ice melts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a perfect analogy. So, yeah, Hannah, basic common with, sense. with, with the, all of these bees in your bonnet today, picked up another. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, with all of these bees in your bonnet, what do you do with this information? I mean, it's one thing that we become aware but what are your what, what's your call to action on something like this? What do you do? Well, I I mean, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram for now. I haven't been banned yet. And the only thing I can do is like offer a different view and, uh, and share that story or share this information. And, you know, people in the UK, even if you are, you know, a protester that's really into climate change, that's what gets you up in the morning to fight climate change. Even if you're that person, you have to look at what's happening in our country and think, I can't afford my heating bill and food. Do I really want this country, the UK, to be giving reparations to other countries? And I just looked, you know, at a globe 
in front of Kelly and I right now, there's a, a world map and you look at the entire world and like the UK is like this tiny little, little dot. Um, what we do in terms of climate change and net zero is totally insignificant. Totally. Well, we only produce 2% from this country if we went underwater tomorrow you wouldn't even notice a difference in what the uk actually produces mm -hmm. it's just wrong and and we can't keep going down this road it's just a big scam it's a money-making scam there's our uh, production partners getting data backing up what you're saying it, it seems as though we have to have reparations for everything today that uh, we had no influence on whatsoever no matter what country you're in no, no. That makes no sense. No. Kelly, do you have bees in your bonnet? I, well, I, I did have a different bee in my bonnet, but when you talk about reparations, um, we took our children to York this week um, looking at the, the Viking Museum just because that's what we're doing with them. And that's the joy of home education um, is you can do what you want with your kids. So we took them up there and we were listening to an audiobook on the way. And in that audiobook, they said about how the Vikings took um, British Saxons and monks and sold them on a slave trade. And I just paused it. I said to my children, um, when do you think the Vikings existed? And they said, well, you know, it was 700 AD. And uh, then I said, so when we're talking about the reparations that we're making for the, the black slave trade, what do you think came first? And they said, well, obviously it was the Vikings. Um, so I think it's a really important point that you actually, nobody's condoning the slave trade. Nobody's saying that any of that was right. However, I think we do need to raise a bit of a flag and say, actually, this was going on a long time before what we are aware of and how statues are being ruined and protests are taking place. And we're paying reparations for this as well. Well, this actually goes a lot further back. And, and you know, the British were part of that slave trade both ways. Well, the slave trade in Africa was started by Africans, exactly. not by not by somebody from Britain. And I, my buddy Hank Vogler, he just brought it all to light the other day. He's a rancher from Nevada, and he had just returned from going to Oregon, where he's originally from. And he reminded all of us that Seattle, Washington, everybody's heard of Seattle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The city of Seattle was named after an Indian chief named Chief Seattle. And it's reported that at one time he had hundreds of slaves, which were other tribal members that they had captured in battle and used them as slaves for his own tribe. So here we have a city that's on the left leaning side of every issue that comes up named after a tribal chief that owned slaves. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to have protests to change the name of, the, of Seattle. Well, Hank actually had a proposal that we change the name of Seattle to Fentanyl. <laughs> That's a really good suggestion. <laughs> yeah, because Fentanyl right now is destroying Seattle and Fentanyl yeah. is destroying this entire country. Uh, I had a report the other day that we have enough of fentanyl in the United States in inventory, illegal drugs coming in primarily through our southern border <clears throat> to create an overdose scenario for 60 times what our population currently is. And I'm assuming you have the same situation in the UK. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, I mean we live in a tiny village, don't we? We've had this conversation so many times that like it's just 
Well, it's not so much fentanyl, I don't think, here. No, is it? We've got a major drugs problem in the UK coming from, um, well, in London, it's run by the Albanians. In the north, it tends to be run by the um, Asians, uh, tend to run that. Mm -hmm. um, but Albanians, primarily in London, run the sex trafficking and the drugs. And uh, But fentanyl is something, it's more of an isolated problem to you guys at the moment. But um, I know San Francisco, my husband works worked there a lot. Um, and he, I last went in 2013, and uh, he said to me, honestly, it's way worse. Like the, the the streets are just it's zombies, just fentanyl zombies walking around uh, California. That started before 2013, just so you know, Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! But I don't no, think I it was induced by fentanyl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's awful. But it's, well, again, Seattle's a left-leaning state as well. Here's the problem. And, and when, anytime you say California, and it used to be I would go to California a lot. I have so many dear friends in California. And farmers and people close to San Francisco that have been there for hundreds of years, and they think just like we do. Here you see Luke has gotten us a graph with uh, the data on fentanyl around the world today. But there are more people in California that think like we do than don't. There's just a small percentage. And, and we call California a left-leaning state because we have three counties that dominate the political scene. But the truth of the matter is that I have a tremendous amount of empathy for my friends who they don't know what to do. They've been on their ranch or their farm or their small business for six, seven generations or more. And this thing is just sucking them up where they don't know where to turn. And that's why I always try to bring it back to what are the solutions? What are the call to actions that we need to get ourselves out of this tyrannical control? Uh, Hannah gave her version of that. Kelly, you want to share your version of what is the call to action for all of these things from your topics of, of drug use and not that you have a drug use problem, but your view on <laughs> drug use in, in society and education all these things what is yeah. the call to action these things are so interlinked aren't they as hannah mentioned you know where you've got drugs you've got sex trafficking uh, child trafficking and all of that sort of thing i uh, i think yeah. hannah, hannah's just said shut the border shut the bloody border um, <laughs> which i mean tough. yeah we're, we're gonna have to get tough at some point but i, I don't think we're gonna get tough because i think there's something bigger at play you only have to look at Ireland at the moment. Um, what's gone on there with the was it an Algerian uh, five-year-old five girl? Um, I think I've seen on uh, Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, that they um, they're keeping one of the children alive just so that it doesn't cause too much um, controversy um, by machines. Um, the the parents aren't like speak to the media. Um, I think. Yeah, prevent racial riots. Yeah, because our police are too weak and woke; they couldn't handle it. Yeah, um, it, it's a scary place at the moment. Um, yes, ladies, it is a scary place, but uh, we have been given this opportunity to fix it thanks to the efforts of the veterans, and we cannot say thank you enough. And again, I repeat, it's not just saying thank you. Show some action. Engage in the process. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure, and it's always interesting to hear the perspective from around the world about the same issues and topics. I'm Trent Luce on a red shirt Friday. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Also want to remind you before I let you go, certified Piedmontese. We don't, you don't need to go to the store. We deliver to your door. That's a simple aspect. You go to the website, cpp.com. 
and you will have delivered to you the most tender beef. It, you just can't believe it until you taste it. In fact, I had a friend, Robert Bohr, cooked a five-pound roast for his family this past Sunday. I gave him some cooking tips, but when you have the right quality product, you just don't screw it up. That's what you don't do because it's there. You don't need to do all these other fancy things. It's just there. Tender beef like you've never had before. cpbeef.com We all remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route.